Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're talking to Dallasite Alyssa Nguyen, also known as the gaming foodie, who has more than 2 million followers on TikTok. We'll also talk about big dining news, like the 12 restaurants coming to Frisco's PGA complex, and then we share our favorite party snacks. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like, when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food after this for information on our show and lots of food and drink stories. You can always share your thoughts with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking to Gaming Foodie, but right now I'm joined by food writers Sarah Blaskovich and Claire Baller to talk about what's trending. So Sarah, you've been covering the PGA complex in Frisco, but not for sports. That's correct. The golf piece of this, which I don't know much about, is that there are going to be two 18-hole golf courses. And this facility is up in Frisco. It's actually 2,500 acres total from a former family ranch that was purchased by private investors and by the city of Frisco and Frisco ISD. 660 of those acres are being made into these two golf courses. And then there would be more than 10 restaurants on the property, including a fair amount that people in Frisco and the surrounding cities will want to come to whether they're golfing or not. And so what are the restaurants opening there? So the highest end restaurant is called Trick Rider, and it is named for the female stunt riders um, back in the day who ride horses. And above the bar, there's supposed to be a 1,500 pound horse covered in crystals that will be lit up and it will be all sparkly on the ceiling. But this place, Trick Rider, is supposed to be like a supper club type feel. So flights of Wagyu, you could start with a caviar course if you want to. It is inside the Omni Hotel, uh, which is has just been built on this property. It and all the restaurants will open the first week in May. I feel like Frisco is like the new Dallas or like the new Orlando. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. It was interesting putting together this story. I ended up reporting what a lot of people have said over the years, which is that Frisco is not a suburb of Dallas. It is its own area in Texas. It is possibly its own region. FC Dallas has a headquarters there. The Dallas Cowboys have their world headquarters there. There is a minor league baseball team, the Rough Riders there. Why don't they also have a world-class golf course there? One of the guys who's putting together all of this explains that he wants the Omni PGA Frisco to compete with like Kiowa Island and with Pebble Beach. Oh, wow. Not with these resorts in the hill country, for instance. Oh. He's like, think bigger. This place is massive and he wants to bring in golfers from all over the world. That's amazing. It is just going to be its own little foodie zone. So anybody who's interested in kind of driving to these new developments of which Dallas-Fort Worth has many, the Omni PGA Frisco will soon be the next place to go and check out 
Cool. And so another big name moving into North Texas soon is Bojangles Chicken and Biscuits. And I believe one of them is going to be in Frisco, right? That's right. Yeah. Two of them are going to be in Frisco. In fact, we know that four are opening in Dallas-Fort Worth so far. They say they want to open six, but we don't know the addresses of the remaining two. But two will be in Frisco. One will be in Euless. One will be in Lancaster. And Euless is supposed to open first. For anybody who doesn't know Bojangles, this is a fast food southern fried chicken place. I ate a Bowberry biscuit at a Bojangles very hungover after an SEC football game in South Carolina once. People who know Bojangles seem to love it. And there's now something like 800 of them. Oh, wow. And so what is a Bowberry biscuit? I'm like picturing the cereal, Booberry. So a Bowberry biscuit is a dessert biscuit. It says it's stuffed with bow berries, like capital B bow, capital B berries. I think this is more like a blackberry, boysenberry, raspberry thing. Uh, okay. And then there's icing on top. All right, Claire. So you had um, an interesting story in the last week about this new business that a Dallas site has launched that is supposed to help consumers and diners give better feedback and praise to restaurant workers. Yeah, this is a new tech platform from a Dallas company called Grata, and it was founded by a, a Dallas local. And it's designed to give service industry workers a public space to receive recognition for their work. So it has applications outside of the restaurant industry, but it very much is designed to work in the restaurant space. So customers can leave what they call gratas or stars along with written feedback by scanning QR codes at restaurants that use this platform. They leave these for employees that then go on to individual profiles for those employees. And so then they end up with a visible catalog of recognition for their work. So the big picture vision for this, what the founder told me, is that restaurant workers will be able to have a public space to show their work, just like many professionals use a LinkedIn for. Employers can use it to get direct feedback from diners about the work their employees are doing. And then diners can use it to see which employees are recommended by other diners at restaurants that they frequent. How do diners use it? The restaurant in Dallas that has rolled it out so far is Macero. This is now at all seven of their locations in Dallas. And how they're using it is they have QR codes in all of their check presenters. And so diners can just scan that QR code on their phone. They don't have to download an app, which I think people will be happy about because that's just another barrier to entry on that. So they just scan that QR code and they can select out of the employees that work at that location. They can select who their server was and basically give them a thumbs up, give them a star if they had a really good service. And that feedback goes directly to their boss. So um, their boss can see that they've done a great job. Great. And so there's no actual like tipping or money exchange. Exactly. This is separate from tipping. And it it really is designed to be sort of an alternative to Yelp or Google reviews, which tend to be negative. Mm -hmm. So the founder told me that he found a lack of gratitude and generosity in the restaurant industry in terms of recognition and thanks, you know, going in between diners and, and employees. So this is really an effort to restore that. And in theory, a restaurant server would have this profile that then they could show in a job interview, show Mm -hmm. the recognition that they receive and how well uh, liked they are by diners. It gives a little bit more power back to restaurant workers and a little more professionalism. So moving on, Texas Monthly just posted their best new restaurants of 2023. So Claire, what restaurants did they have on there that were in North Texas? This was a list of 10 restaurants throughout Texas, three of which are in DFW. One was Revolver Taco Lounge Gastro Cantina Mm -hmm. in Deep Ellum. Another was Don Artemio in Fort Worth. And the third was Otroisiem in Dallas as well. 
So those three were on the list of 10 best new restaurants as chosen by Texas Monthly. But then there were also honorable mentions. And the DFW honorable mentions were Brass Ram, Katerina's, which is the no cell phones restaurant that we have talked about on this podcast. That's in Fort Worth. And then also in Fort Worth, Paris Coffee Shop, which has been around for a very long time. Sarah wrote about this place. I think it's like at least 95 years old, but it was recently redone. And so that got in there as an honorable mention. I like to see um, some Fort Worth names on there. But what names do you guys think maybe should have been on there? Yeah, we threw this around after we saw this story. And well, I, what I will say is that it made me realize that we're really lucky. We have quite a few new restaurants in DFW that are really exciting. So obviously, Texas Monthly was going to have a pared down list, right? They're looking at the whole state. But if you're just looking at the North Texas area, we have a ton. So I'll let Sarah jump in. She had a good number to add to this list. For me, this list missed the mark on how exciting Dallas is. Fort Worth too. Brass Ram absolutely should have been on the list. It's one of the most thrilling places that we've had open in a long time. And I've been several times. I like it a lot. I thought the addition of Paris Coffee Shop as an honorable mention was quite strange. I love this little diner, but it is scrambled eggs and biscuits and pancakes. And I'm such a fan of putting high and low restaurants on the same lists. But I didn't feel as though Paris Coffee Shop was even in the conversation when it came to the best new restaurants in the entire state. Some other restaurants I really love, Tatsu. We all have talked about Tatsu a lot. It's an omakase restaurant in Deep Ellum. I certainly think it's worth an honorable mention, if not more. I also think Clifton Club, a cocktail bar, is just a really cool place that should get more credit than it has. It is the place where I take people when they come from out of town. We go to Clifton Club, we get drinks, we get snacks, and then we go someplace else almost without fail. And so I think that should go on anybody's list. Claire, what else would you add? I would add La Bodega in Oak Cliff. You know, talk about high-low. This is on the lower end. It's it's a small little walk-up counter spot um, that specializes in rotisserie chicken, but it's very good. It's a good example of picking a niche and doing it really, really well. And I have to, I very much agree with you on Tatsu. It was surprising to me that Tatsu is not on the list. Both Tatsu and Restaurant Beatrice in Oak Cliff, and we just interviewed the owner and chef there, Michelle Carpenter. Both of them received James Beard semifinalist nods. I mean, to me, it's almost makes Dallas more interesting. We have such a diverse amount here that different restaurants get on different lists. I'd also add one more that I really like. I like Douglas in Snyder Plaza. It's upscale barbecue and almost all of the meats and vegetables are smoked in traditional old school barbecue smoker style, but then presented in an upscale way. I just think the owner, Doug Pickering, is doing something that a lot of other folks are not. That's special too. I think that's a reason why some of these places make any list is because they're a little bit different. Right. I'd tack Douglas onto the list. And for anybody who wants to read uh, more about it, Claire's story is on dallasnews.com slash food. And we do have a couple of other restaurants we thought should have been considered at the end of her list. Yes. And if anyone has anything they wanted to add to that list, um, please email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Okay, so last week we got some feedback from a listener about our discussion on the new rules for dining, the new etiquette. And she took issue with something we re-referenced in the New York Magazine, which was about splitting the bill if you order booze or not. This is what she said. I'm so disappointed in your recent episode where you said that folks who don't drink should either A, not go to group dinners, or that B, we should cover the tip with cash. 
I recently met two friends at Las Palmas for dinner. One friend ordered $70 worth of margaritas, the other $45 in margaritas. Instead of shaming people for not drinking, maybe try supporting folks for taking the very brave and difficult step of going against societal norms. I had one $8 mocktail and a $16 entree. You really think I should have covered their booze? How about let's normalize and celebrate people choosing not to drink? It takes courage to reach this conclusion and to go out and still party and drop big dollars, just not with alcohol. Holly, I think that's fair. My suggestion was never that you should cover the alcohol for other people, especially if you're a non-drinker and are passionate about that. The idea was that splitting the bill is the easiest way for a group to get out of there quickly and responsibly. Now, Claire had an even better suggestion at the end of that conversation, which was, could one person pay and everyone pay that one person back? And I love this idea. And Holly, I wonder if that fixes it. So if I were the one to pick up the four $100 bill that included somebody's $70 margaritas, which let me say 70 bucks in margaritas is a lot of margaritas <laughs> yes. for one adult. I hope that he or she was Ubering home. But if one person is taking the bill, let's say it's me and you've got the $8 plus the $16, I think that's super fair for you to pay for your piece. The suggestion was never to shame anybody who doesn't drink into feeling bad. This brings up a good point, though, because I, I know I have been in this situation plenty of times where I'm dining with a group and I am the one person not ordering any alcohol or ordering one drink. And then the bill comes and it's like, damn, <laughs> my bill is not equivalent to everyone else's here. And they go, that let's split the check thing. And, you know, it's like, wow, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to drop that kind of money on this this meal, which is why I ordered accordingly. So it is an uncomfortable situation to be in, which is why, as Sarah said, I always opt for the just split it up via Venmo yourselves after the fact. If someone wants to throw their card down and get those credit card points, great. Okay, great. Thanks, everyone. Stick around. We're going to talk to gaming foodie Alyssa Nguyen and talk about our favorite party snacks. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back. We're excited to talk today with Alyssa Nguyen, known as Gaming Foodie on TikTok. She's a mom of two young boys who goes viral quite often with her Vietnamese and Korean recipes like her famous sushi bake. But what makes her so popular is that she's absolutely hilarious and relatable. So Alyssa, tell us, what is it like to be a viral TikTok star? I think you have more than like 2 million followers now. To be honest, because I'm very like active at home with my kids, I don't notice that much of a difference. I feel like I just woke up and I'm still the regular person that I was prior to becoming, I guess you would call a TikTok <laughs> star. I feel completely normal. I feel like it hasn't changed me. I just continue on with what I do at home. I do get people running into me in public and recognizing me. So that's the only thing that's changed a little bit. Part of your appeal is because you're so relatable and funny. You kind of let the full mom scene show through. Like, I love your videos where you can hear your kids in the background, like yelling at you. Like, I feel like that is also my life. Was that an original goal with your videos? When I started content creating back in, well, I started during COVID. But before that, I was already posting videos just for like my friends and families to see. 
media. I, I never intended to become a content creator. But when I started transitioning into that, I was one of those people that struggled with wanting to be like a cookie cutter mom. Like I wanted to have perfect content. I wanted the perfect angle, the perfect lighting, the perfect everything. And at that time, my son was, I believe, like one or two. So he was, you know, screaming, yelling, playing, laughing, making a lot of kid noises, you know. So I would just do voiceovers because I could at least silence everything out. And I would just film late at night. I would film like at two, three in the morning when everyone was asleep, or I'd wake up really, really early, like at five or six in the morning and do my voiceovers. But I noticed that that wasn't just, it wasn't me, you know, I started to become very robotic. So that's how I transitioned over to talking in my videos and having the craziness of the background music just going on because my kids, again, they're little and I just, I don't want to censor that out, you know? This is just how I am as a mom at home creating content. And so what are some of your most viral recipes? Every time when I make pho, it always does really, really well, like performance wise. The sushi bake, that one went like pretty uh, viral. Honestly, anything that I make that's I get from my parents, like a recipe, it fairly does pretty well because I have a lot of a lot of the followers that watch me are moms themselves or you know like asian vietnamese korean japanese chinese and like when you ask your parent for a recipe they don't use measurements they don't go you know one tablespoon of sugar two tablespoons of salt this and that they just go add a little bit or a lot i don't know what a little bit or a lot is so i had to come up with these measurements and i help a lot of people learn how to cook vietnamese dishes korean dishes because i incorporate one tablespoon one cup. I use measurements so people are able to replicate these recipes fairly easy without having the struggle of asking their parents. What are some of your favorite dishes from your childhood? I could eat pho. Pho is probably one of my easy top five meals to eat. There's chicken, there's beef. There's just so many different variations of pho that you can eat. How do you make your pho? I know it's sort of a, a labor of love sometimes. It is. It is. It's more so prepping everything and getting everything tossed into a pot and just simmering it and watching it over the course of the next six hours. But with the pressure cooker, it does make cooking pho a lot faster. Like I can make pho and serve it to my family within two to three hours, which is very, very fast. If I'm doing it on a stove, it's taking me at least two days to prepare. Wow. So do you use the Instant Pot? I use the Instant Pot. Yeah, I just put everything in there and I just turn it on for one hour. And after one hour, I open it and I can just ladle the broth straight. The broth is what's hard. Yeah. Once you get the broth out of the way, everything else, it's easy. It's just tedious. Yeah. And so you lived in California before coming to Texas during the pandemic. So what do you like about the dining scene here? The hospitality in Texas, I will say is a lot better <laughs> than, than the LA Orange County scene that I'm so used to. Like, you get like really good service out here. Like I could be going to a drive through and get really good service. I could be sitting at a five-star restaurant and get really good service. I could just be walking into a grocery store and needing something and it wasn't in stock and they'll run in the back and they'll check. It's just really, really good out here in Texas compared to what I've experienced in California. That's funny. And so what are some of your favorite go-to restaurants and markets here? My favorite Vietnamese restaurant is called Ballet, and that's in Arlington, Arlington, Texas. I really like Dragon House. That's in South Lake. I like Amano's Italian, which is in North Lake. It's not too far from me. It's an Italian restaurant. And then I like, um, I believe it's called Ara. It's a Korean restaurant. It's not all you can eat. It is very, I would say it's on the more bougie side. Um, you pay by the plate and they cook it for you right in front of you. And that's in Carrollton. Those are like my top four. 
For groceries, I really like to go to uh, Zion for the Korean market. And then for the Vietnamese market, I really like to go to Hiep Thai, which is in Arlington. What are some key ingredients that you usually stock up on? So aside from the sauces, which is like fish sauce, soy sauce, sesame oil, sugar, vinegar, I always have those stock. But when I'm doing my weekly grocery shopping trip, I always make sure that I have the basics. Well, the basics for me, at least, which is garlic, onion, scallion, cilantro, some sort of noodles. I always make sure that I have noodles, pastas. I always make sure I have rice. Um, My son loves eating soup. So I always make sure to have some sort of bone, like chicken bones or beef. My oldest, he has a hard time eating meat. So I always try to get his protein serving in by making broth. So I always make sure I have some sort of bone in the in the freezer to just make broth throughout the week for him. Yeah, I, lo- I love the mom hacks to get your kids to eat. <laughs> I do that too. Yeah. Um, so can you explain the sushi bake a little bit? Let me just preface this by saying I do not like to eat raw sushi. Like if it's cooked, I could eat it all day long. But if you're handing me like a sashimi or uni, I just I can't eat it. And I think it's mainly because it's like cold and the texture is like slimy to me. When I go to a restaurant, my favorite roll is normally like a baked salmon roll, which is very, very similar to the sushi bake. The only difference really is the baked salmon roll, it's in the roll shape, whereas the sushi bake, it's in a casserole style. So it's like rice, salmon. Yeah. So you season, I mean, sometimes I get lazy and I don't even season the (laughs) rice, you know, because I don't notice a difference, but you season the rice with rice vinegar, a little bit of sesame oil to make sushi rice. And then you want to layer the top of the rice with furikake or some sort of nori or seaweed, shredded seaweed. And then you layer on your salmon mixture, which is normally, I normally do a 50-50 mix of salmon, imitation crab, because imitation crab is cheaper. I mean, you can do the real crab, but today's economy is just a little wild. (laughs) So I do imitation crab, salmon, cream cheese, Japanese mayo, sriracha, a little bit of salt, pepper, and then the salmon just needs to be cooked. And sometimes when I make it, I'm making a salmon dinner and I have leftover salmon, the next day, I'll turn it into a sushi bake. It could literally be any kind of salmon. You can buy it from the grocery store at Costco, the one that's already pre-marinated, frozen. Just any kind of salmon. Just mix it in with your Japanese mayo, uh, sriracha, and the, the rest of the ingredients, and you can just make a sushi bake that way. Oh, that sounds amazing. It's really good to, as leftovers, too. Yeah. So back to your California roots, um, I saw you had a TikTok the other day where you were eating in and out Is that still like your favorite go-to, or have you tried Whataburger? Like, what's your hot take on that? I've tried Whataburger and I've tried In-N-Out and I don't know why people try to pin the two against each other because the burgers are so completely different. I came to Texas several years ago to visit it before moving here and I remember, I can't believe I'm going to even like air myself out like this. I remember (laughs) trying Whataburger because everybody was like, you got to try Whataburger. It's so much better than In-N-Out. It's so much better than In-N-Out. And I remember trying it and I was so like, Oh, Whataburger is better, you know, because at the time I was trying to, I was trying to win over my Texas followers. I wanted them to like me. So I was like, you're right. Whataburger is better. It is better. And I'm like, and so I just agreed with them, even though they're both completely different burgers, but I totally sold myself out. I'm not going to even lie. I told, I totally sold myself out to say (laughs) Whataburger was better than In-N-Out when in reality, they're not even comparable burgers. They're completely different. (laughs) <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like In-N-Out provides the really fresh, smaller burger and Whataburger is where you go if you want like the green chili smothered experience or something. And so what other um, Texas things have you tried? You know what's crazy? And I don't know if it's because the beef in Tex- Texas is better, but I like the Wendy's 
in Texas better. So Wendy's is my favorite fast food chain. Oh, okay. I like the Wendy's in Texas better than the Wendy's in California, or at least the locations that I've been to. I don't know what it is about that beef patty here in Texas. It just tastes so beefy. That's good to know. Yeah. 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 I guess Texas. I mean, we got to go with the beef. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much, Alyssa. And please go to dallasnews.com slash food to read more on Alyssa by our arts access reporter, Liz Myong. Stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, we'll talk about our favorite party snacks. That's right after this. Hey, listeners, this is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed the Super Bowl on Sunday, even though the Cowboys were not in it. I know my household was very invested and um, not pleased by the outcome. I think there were some tears from the nine-year-old. Really? Um, A tiny Eagles fan? Yes, he is a tiny Eagles fan, which we are not in any way related to anything or anyone in Pennsylvania. So I don't know where this came from. (laughs) Um, He likes the quarterback. He likes Jalen Hurts. So, But anyway, we did have a lot of chicken wings, which is my favorite party food. I'm really kind of obsessed. And every time I've made them at home, they've been so much better than anything I've ordered. And they're probably healthier. So how do you make those? Okay, so I have tried them a bunch of different ways, and I think the best way to make them is in the oven. You bake them. So Not air fry. No, I don't air fry them. I don't know. I've tried them air fried, and I just don't feel like they get as crunchy and crispy and gooey at the same time. So I do them in the oven, usually at 425. Um, you get a rimmed baking sheet, and make sure you get one of those wire rack inserts, because that's essential you know, for all the drippage. Two of my favorite ways to do them. One is just straight barbecue sauce. I always love barbecue sauce that has tamarind in it. That really gives it some depth, but also some tartness. Um, And the Franklin barbecue, Texas barbecue sauce has tamarind extract in it. And that's one of our favorites. And the tartness really kind of cuts the sweetness. And um, another one that I've tried recently is chicken adobo wings. So chicken adobo is, you know, a famous Filipino dish and it's a lot of soy sauce and vinegar and bay leaves. Of course, I thought I was like inventing something new. I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to make that into wings. So I go online (laughs) and certainly there's like chicken adobo wings recipes everywhere. And one I actually found on food and wine was actually a recipe from Anna Swan, who's a local chef of Ulam, Dallas. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hey, it's Anna's recipe for chicken adobo wings. So what about you guys? What do you guys like to make at parties? Well, the genre of dips are my favorite thing in the whole world. Party, Super Bowl party, at home, alone. I think dips are a perfect food. And the fun thing about a dip is that there are so many kinds. So queso is number one, and I love to make it at home. But then you've got like French onion dip with gotta be ruffles, not lays. That is an excellent dip. Then you move into like, you could make your own spinach artichoke dip at home. You could also, Central Market has quite a good spinach artichoke dip that you can get from the olive bar that you just scoop yourself, put it in a pretty dish, make it look like you did it. 
for Super Bowl at my house, we had a party. We made build your own pizzas, which was the main thrust of the whole thing. But of course, there were dips set out before. And we had three or four of them. And I always pick like different styles. So there was a spicy avocado salsa. There was love dip from Central Market, which is a spicy cream cheese based perfect dip. And then we had brisket queso and spinach artichoke dip. There's no need for all four of those dips, but everybody had a little bit of each and uh, they all really worked. Uh, Another dip I love that I buy more at restaurants is a smoked fish dip, a smoked salmon dip, a smoked trout dip. And the cool thing about this dip is if you were to make it at home, you can really zhuzh it up so that it seems like a fancy party food. Um, At restaurants, they also sometimes serve these dips with a little bit of roe on top or even caviar. Some restaurants make their own potato chips. When I throw a party, it's a lot about the drinks and the snacks. And so we are not making our own potato chips. But uh, if you really want to go to the max and be impressive at a party, you could do that too. And then we just did bowls of um, flat pretzels and bowls of tortilla chips because those two worked for all the dips we were doing. A wheat thin and ruffles, also very good dippers. And so no veggies, no like celery. It's a strong no on the celery always, Erin. I actually would like to hear from one person, if you want to email eatdrinkatdallasnews.com, if you legitimately like celery better than <laughs> anything else that's offered. Celery is a no. Sorry, Erin. Um, but okay. yeah, it would be a great idea to offer carrots, uh, maybe some red or green bell pepper, which look really pretty on a plate. As a person who throws a fair amount of parties, people don't eat those and I buy them. So my money has stopped buying those and started buying flat pretzels and tortilla chips and wheat thins. I do like a sugar snap pea. That is kind of my go-to. Oh, okay. It's kind of like a palate cleanser. That's been my my celery replacement. Do you like celery? Are you the one who eats the three celery stalks off of the, the veggie plate? I do. Oh, wow. Okay. I really, I legitimately haven't met you before. So that's good. <laughs> there is one out there and it's Aaron. Hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. (laughs) So what about you, Claire? What do you like? I also made dip for the Super Bowl. And I went with kind of an older Allison Roman recipe. It's a Greek yogurt dip with sizzled scallions and chives and red chili flakes. And so you sizzle a bunch of thinly sliced scallions with cilantro or chives and red chili flakes in a bunch of oil. It creates this very flavorful kind of spicy oil that then you drizzle over and mix in with really cold Greek yogurt with lemon and salt. And it's so good. We ate it with ruffles. Good choice. It was a throwback dip for me. It's something I used to make for parties a lot. And it's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful dip. That's great. We'll have to get all these recipes and put them together on dallasnews.com slash food. And if our listeners have a really delicious, simple snack you want us to try at home, please email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining. And I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you. So share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrinkatdallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of the show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. 